Welcome to And With Your Spirit, a homily podcast that takes preaching out of the sanctuary and moves it into your daily life. Let us make ourselves open to the voice of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit, that we might be transformed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. Good morning, everyone. Today we celebrate, after six weeks of the Easter season, we celebrate Ascension Sunday, uh, where Jesus ascends back into glory so that we can already begin to dwell with him even now. We also are anticipating the coming of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, who comes to us in the absence or the non-physical presence of Jesus, so we can be guided continually to the way, the truth, and the life. The times where we have failed to live in this light of Christ or to follow the promptings of the Spirit, let us call to mind our sins. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, raised his hands, and blessed them. As he blessed them, he parted from them and was taken up to heaven. They did him homage and then returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. The Gospel of the Lord. There's a story I heard years ago about the ascension of Jesus. The story is not a true story. It's, it's a made-up story, but it makes a good and true point. So I'd like to tell it this morning. So years ago, right, 2,000 years ago, Jesus ascends into heaven. That's not made up. That's true, actually. The part, sorry, should have said that afterward. Jesus ascends into heaven. Here's where it's made up. When he gets up there, he sees all his old friends, right? The angels and the principalities and the powers and the saints. And there are all these people who are up there. And he says, hey, how you doing? They're catching up on Jesus being gone for 33 years. He sits down at the heavenly banquet table. And as he sits down, he says, you know, pass the bread and all this kind of stuff. And they're starting to talk. And so the angels and the saints, they're all asking him questions. Jesus, what was it like on earth? And he's like, oh, it's pretty good down there, you know? And one of the the angels said, well, what's your mom like? And he said, she's the best. And he meant it because she is. He said she makes the best whatever, cookies or whatever she makes. I don't know what Jewish people made 2,000 years ago. And I loved her, right? She taught me how to sing the Psalms because she was a temple virgin herself before she became my mother. And I said, what was your dad like? And he said, oh, Joseph, he was wonderful. A silent type. Like she never got to talk in the Bible, right? He never said much, but he showed me what it was like to sacrifice myself for the good of those that I love the most. He was a good dad. And they said, well, what were your disciples like, your, your closest friends? And Jesus said, well, I probably could have picked some better ones. Uh, one ended up handing me over to death, but, you know. He says, I met them fishing and farming and collecting taxes. And I called them one by one, and 12 of them said they would give up everything and follow me, and they did. And then someone said, yeah, did you, did you really like, heal people while you were down there? Did you show them God's power? And Jesus said, yeah. Healed their ears and their eyes, and sometimes even their hearts were healed. 
And then one of the angels down at the end of the table got a little bold, and he said, um, is it true that they really killed you, Jesus? And Jesus lifted up one of his hands and had a nail mark in it, and he said, yeah, they did. And the same angel said, but how could they? Did they not know how much you loved them? And Jesus said, some of them know. They know deeply. And that same angel said, forgive me, Lord, but what about the others? How will they find out how much you loved them too? And Jesus said, well, the ones that followed me, that know me, um, they'll share it. They'll live in my love. They'll open food pantries and work at St. Vincent de Paul. They'll volunteer to pray the rosary before Mass in Evansville, Indiana. They'll put Mary statues in their yard and stand at abortion clinics. They'll, they'll bring God's love to their workplaces in some simple ways, like praying before they eat. And when they teach their kids math and science and art, they'll also teach them about me too. They'll know. They'll find out. And the angel, same one, pesky little guy, he said, forgive me one more question, Lord. He said, what if they don't? What if they don't keep the faith? What if they don't tell anybody about you? What if they don't put up statues or teach their kids? What if they just keep it all to themselves? Do you have a plan B? And Jesus looked down and then right back up at that angel. And he said, clearly, he said, no. There's no plan B. Yesterday, I was at a wedding reception, and a woman came up to me while I was on my way from the dance. My voice is uh, kind of groggy this morning because of ACDC and all these other people I was singing along to last night. I was on my way to go get a drink of water from the dance floor, from the singing core anyways. And as I'm heading over to get water, I was, really, I was really thirsty, and I just wanted to have fun that night, last night. And this lady stopped me, and she's not from our area. She's from out of town. Uh, she was in for the wedding, family members of the bride. And she, uh, she started talking to me about her own faith and how she was raised Catholic in a really big Catholic family. And that when she was a kid, she felt like the Catholic Church was all just a bunch of rules. And I thought, oh, great. I just wanted to get a water, you know? <laughs> and so she said, when I was a little kid, I decided to start going to a Protestant youth group once a week. And I really felt like I was fed there. And my mom, when I came home one day from that group, she said she was still going to Mass on Sunday. She said that her mom told her she was not allowed to go to the youth group anymore and she only could go to Catholic church stuff. And she said, but mom, why? Like, I'm feeling fed by, kind of by both. And the mom said, according to her, I don't have to give you reasons, you're not going anymore. And from then on, this girl basically started walking away from the Catholic church. And today, she doesn't go to a Catholic church, she goes to a Christian church, which is still good. And she's raising her kids in, the, in a Christian faith. Um, but she was telling me about her, her life story and about how uh, it's difficult for her. And as she's telling me all of this stuff, it was beautiful and, and, and all. And then eventually she revealed that she was recently over in Italy, in Rome. And she said that she'd go into these churches and her jaw would just drop because of the beauty that surrounded her and the chanting and all the things that she remembered from when she was a little girl. And she said, when I'm there, I just feel so at home. Like, there's just something there that I feel attached to. And I said to her, good, know that you're always welcome back anytime. The doors are always open. And we ended our conversation. I think most of us don't realize how, uh, 
simple it can be to share the faith. Another story. Um, recently, uh, yesterday morning, actually, Saturday morning, I visited uh, Eva Weber and her husband, Gene, over here on the west side of town. There's a lot of Webbers on the west side of town, by the way. I don't think I'd met them all, not nearly all of them, because Gene was talking about all the Webbers that live over here and over there and over here and over there, and I thought, golly, everybody on the west side, you've got to become priests and nuns because you can't date anyone, that's for sure, <laughs> to get married to somebody from the east side or Gibson County or something else. Anyways, I was talking to them, and as I went, I went to anoint Eva. She's, she's, she's okay, but I uh, went to anoint her and give her communion. And as I walked into the door, I had brought Jake Schneider, our seminarian with, uh, from our parish, with me. I, I let him do that. I let these guys kind of job shadow a little bit, see what it's like, you know. So as we came in the door, I said, this is Jacob. He's our seminarian. And, the, and Gene, Mr. Weber, he said, I used to be in seminary. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, it was a couple of years ago. He's like in his 70s now. And he said that back then, they had like a thousand seminarians at St. Mindred. A thousand. We have ten we might have 16 this fall, our biggest number ever, in a long time anyway. They had a 1,000 seminarians there, and he told us a quick story about his discernment. Basically, it was, mom wanted a priest, and so all of us boys said, you do it, right, <laughs> to each other. And then finally, he drew the short straw, so he had to go. He went for two years of seminary. And as he was telling me this story, I was thinking about how today, when I talk to people about vocational discernment, especially young men, and they come to me and talk about their discerning priesthood, I usually have the opposite problem with parents. More often today, families are saying, I don't want my kid to be a priest. I want grandkids, or they're wasting their life. They're wasting their life. Ugh, my life is so full. Anyways, you know, years ago, like with this young man, Gene, now old man, Gene, years ago, it used to be that Catholicism was part of culture. You just lived and breathed it, like discerning a call to whatever God has got for you, your purpose of your life, your vocation. It was just like, it's just what you did. And in fact, moms and dads sometimes pushed it down your throat. And for sure, nuns did, didn't they? They slapped your hands with a ruler and they pushed vocations down your throat. I don't know if that was actually good. But back then, it was just part of what we breathed, the air around us. And today, it's not the case. Likewise, too, even with this woman at the wedding reception, Today, there are people who are hungry for the faith. And maybe just, even just a connection to the faith, let alone like explanations. What we're called to be is the same thing that Jesus says in today's readings. Right before he goes into heaven, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know where that is? Here. Jesus' mission ends here. Not just in this church, but in you, in your workplaces, in your homes. Jesus sends us forth with power to convert, to, to help people see it, for eyes to be opened and ears to be healed, and maybe a heart too one day. He wants us to go forth. That's what he's called us to. And sometimes I think we think it's more complicated than it is. It's really not. I mean, that woman that I was going to, I was going to get a water, right? She stopped me. I could have easily said, what's the, what's the biggest problem you have with the Catholic Church? I didn't want to get into that, right? And you probably don't want to either. We're at a wedding reception. And that's probably not where she's at anyway. I mean, if dec for decades now she's been walking away and still maybe even touching base, she knows what she wants to know. She can Google it, right? What she wanted to do was walk up to a priest and just say, 
here's my soul. Um, what do you think? And I said, your heart is right. Keep searching, basically, you know? You're always welcome back. We don't have to have the answers to complicated questions. We just have to have love and a little patience. That does most of the trick, most of the time. And so, little things that we can do here on the west side of Evansville or wherever you're from, in your houses and in your homes, in your communities. A cousin of mine, he has a statue of St. Michael the Archangel. You guys know who St. Michael the Archangel is, right? They're the most epic Catholic statues you can buy, all right? Big winged archangel with a sword, and usually he's slaying a snake or a dragon or something, you know, a devil, something on the ground. He's got armor on. It's super cool. They're always like awesome statues. He bought one and put it behind his uh, desk so that whenever he's on a Zoom call, which we all do now, right? When he's on a Zoom call, people see it, and maybe somebody will ask. Or, or if you're a grandparent, I think I, told, I may have told this story a while ago. If you're a grandparent, like my mom does, take your grandkids to church to pray when they stay at your house. Even if they don't go with their own parents, you can take them and take them out to eat afterward, especially donut bank. You let them have all the donuts they want, right? Reinforce, right? When somebody does something good, like going to mass, reward them. That's psychology, and it works. It absolutely works. If you don't have a statue in your yard of a saint, of Mary, of St. Francis, whomever, an angel, Put one out there. Actually, whenever I go on runs around the west side of Evansville or bike rides, whenever I see a house that has a statue that I know, you know, like a Catholic statue, Mary, Joseph, something, I always bless that house. So if you've got one out, you've gotten a lot of blessings, by the way, all right? <laughs> because I know that those people, they're not holding the power within. They have it on display. And, and maybe that one statue might make a difference to somebody who's on a walk who's been thinking about whether or not they should go to Mass again, whether or not God's going to be with them. And they're asking for a sign, and they see Our Lady's hands open, bestowing grace. And then maybe they feel blessed, and the mission is accomplished. It's not hard to share the faith, but it's necessary today. It used to be part of our culture, and today people are hungry, and we've got to be the ones who get out and do it. Jesus ascends into heaven, not to leave us, but to send us. And he has no plan B because he doesn't need it. Uh, plan A is you. It's me. Uh, it's a pretty good plan. You stay alone in Christ.